0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to She's in Tech. I am Lindsay Wardell, software engineer at Labs. With me today is Lindsay Browning.
1: Hello, everyone. (laughs) My name is Lindsay Browning, and I'm a software engineer at This.Dot. I focus mostly on front-end development and worked primarily with React over the last few years. If you'd like to reach out, you can find me on Twitter at lbrowning86.
0: And our special guest today is Ire. Welcome, Irei.
2: Hi, thanks for having me. So my name is Ire Aderioku, and I'm a front-end developer and UI designer. I'm one of the co-founders of Bycoins, which is a cryptocurrency exchange for Nigerians and Africans. And I'm also one of the founding members of the Feminist Coalition, which is a, just a group of women passionate about trying to make life better for women in Nigeria.
3: Awesome. When I went freelance, I was still only a few years into my development career. My first contract, I was paid 60 bucks an hour. Due to feedback from my friends, I raised it to 120 bucks an hour on the next contract. And due to the podcasts I was involved in and the screencasts I had made in the past, I started getting calls from people I'd never even heard of who wanted me to do development work for them because I had done that kind of work or talked about, or demonstrated that kind of work in the videos and podcasts that I was making. Within a year, I was able to more than double my freelancing rates, and I had more work than I could handle. If you're thinking about freelancing, or have a profitable but not busy or fulfilling freelance practice, let me show you how to do it in my Dev Heroes Accelerator. Dev Heroes aren't just people who devs admire, they're also people who deliver for clients who know, like, and trust them. Let me help you double your income and fill your slowdowns. You can learn more at devheroesaccelerator.com. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Really excited to get into some of those topics.
0: Before we get too far, I'd like to know a little bit more about you and how you got involved in programming as your career.
2: Okay. So I was first introduced to making websites and coding via this online game I used to play when I was a teenager called Neopets. I think a few people like played that. So they kind of like, know. (laughs) And it just basically taught you some very basic like HTML. I don't think CSS was really a thing at the time or maybe there was, but yeah. And it was just something that I was very interested in and I just kind of continued doing on the side for like years. I didn't really know about like computer science or anything as like a degree to do. So I actually ended up studying psychology and then law. But when I then like revisited the, or relearned about like coding and all of that, I decided, okay, I'll try and give it a chance. And so I did a bunch of like self-study and then I decided to like actually put myself out there. So I did like freelance for a bit and then I started working within like tech companies in Nigeria and yeah, I got to where I am.
0: That's awesome. I love how that started with just something as simple as something like Neopets, and it became yeah. <laughs> a whole career, really. What technologies do you tend to work with on the front end? what's What's your preferred technology?
2: I mean, I'm a person that like I just like to work with like HTML, CSS, JavaScript. I'm pretty framework agnostic, and even at Bycoins, we work with several different frameworks, and like just different architectures for things, but we just always focus on, especially when I'm like hiring and stuff, having people focus on understanding like the core technologies. So yeah, I use like React, Vue, Angular, but I wouldn't say that I am like particularly partial to any of them. So I would just say like front-end development, like HTML, CSS, and JavaScript is what I focus on.
0: That makes a lot of sense. It's interesting to hear that BuyCoins is using multiple multiple different frameworks. Is it just like different parts of the site are using different tools, depending on which developer team is working on it?
2: So not exactly. When I say, I guess when I say by coins, I mean the company as a whole, because like, for example, we have other products that are not just like our particular app. And so our mobile application is like React Native for like the mobile side, but it's actually mostly a web view to a web app. And that web app is basically just like actually static HTML and CSS besides like select places where we need a bit more interactivity. And so we use like React components there as well. But in other products, we use like Vue and in the previous version of Bicons, we were using Angular. So that's kind of what I mean. Like, not necessarily that we mix so much with like a particular code base, but like if we decide, oh, we're going to launch a new product tomorrow, we don't necessarily have to do it in Vue or React. We can just kind of pick what works for that particular project.
0: I like that. I like that it's not locked down to we're always going to use React because this is the way we do things.
2: Mm. Yeah.
1: I think that the cryptocurrency space is becoming, it seems to becoming very popular at the moment, the more mainstream. How do you get into something like cryptocurrency and how do you, how do you go about sort of learning the technologies behind it, like the blockchain and things like that?
2: Yeah. So, I mean, for me personally, when we got into this, so we started this in like 2017, it was more sort of like a fun side project actually. And we did kind of see that this had a particular use case, particularly for us, because we were actually like myself and my we there's like three of us, and um, so myself and my co-founder that were based in Nigeria were trying to send money to our co-founder that was in the u s and it was just like a really difficult process because trying to send from even like Get having a dollar bank account in Nigeria is something that's not that easy to access. But even having that, it's still not that easy to then just try and like send money to like a US bank account or anything like that. So we actually said, oh let's actually just try and use Bitcoin like and we found that it was actually a lot like quicker. even though the process of getting Bitcoin in Nigeria was quite like stressful, it was still ultimately like, easier and like faster and cheaper than us trying to use actual dollars to then like do that transaction. And so we just saw that, that this is kind of like an opportunity for something that people really need. And we could actually like build a product to make the parts that we found the most like stressful, actually a lot easier. So that's kind of why we then said, okay, we'll build our own exchange. And just because of like the state of like technology and startups and stuff in Nigeria at that time. It was only like relatively recently, like the past like year or so that you could just have like a payment processor. So something similar to Stripe, we have something called Paystack in Nigeria and that product was only just launched like a year or two ago. So it was something that we could now leverage that wasn't really available before to actually make this whole like products possible.
1: Yeah, I think I think it's great that just you're solving the problem there for yourselves, but also opening up the opportunities for so many other people at the same time. That's really great.
0: So, on the note of cryptocurrency in general, what is it? I haven't worked with blockchain or cryptocurrencies yet myself as a developer. What's it like getting started with that and starting to to try and integrate with these existing coins?
2: Yeah, so it's. I think it's still kind of difficult because it's kind of like, how do you even know where to start? And for me specifically, like being a front-end developer right now, there's not that much of a difference. Like if you're just kind of building the type of app that we're building, right? It's like, I don't necessarily need to have like blockchain specific knowledge in order, in order to build like the front end of the application. But obviously, as we build more products that are like web three things and that's like an aspect that you now have to learn. How do you like build a website that can actually like interact with your MetaMask or whichever wallet? And also if you are interested in like learning actual like blockchain technology, like how do you get started with that? And for me, the answer was I did like a Udacity nano degree, like the blockchain developer one. And I found that actually really, really helpful because like I said, when I started this, I was kind of like doing the front end. So I wasn't that like integrated in the blockchain aspect. So like doing that degree was really helpful for me, even though like my day-to-day isn't really blockchain stuff. I have a much deeper understanding of how like everything works and how everything kind of comes together. And because that particular nano degree, and I'm not like sponsored by Udacity or anything, by the way, (laughs) but uh, because that particular nano degree actually also touched on web three, it was actually really helpful for me because you got to do one side, which is like building like smart contracts and things like that. And then actually then do the other side, like the front end, which is like building the website that's actually going to interact with those smart contracts. So if anyone is like interested in like learning about this stuff, I think that was like a really great like starter. I did that a few years ago. And I think since then, there's actually been a lot more companies like Coinbase and I think Binance that are actually putting out a lot of educational content as well. So you don't necessarily have to kind of spend money on like this nano degree if you can't really afford to do that i think that all these like companies are actually like putting together these this kind of stuff and even us we do have like a very like short introduction into just like what is cryptocurrency but i know binance goes in a lot more into like a lot more detail in like actually breaking down i think they have like a huge like library of content basically
1: yeah i think i i've seen that myself they cover security, uh, crypto in general, it's really thorough. Yeah. I'd imagine an exchange like that needs to be quite performant for what is presumably a large number of users accessing the app. And I I guess real-time data it needs to process. Do you sort of have any dealings with that on the front end? Is that something that you kind of deal with performance-wise?
2: Yeah, yeah, it is. And that's actually something, funnily enough, I'm actually working on now to like do a lot more like performance improvements because mm-hmm. obviously we build it and then we release it into the wild and then we have to like continue. Like <laughs> it doesn't just end there. Yeah. So for me personally, I really like using Lighthouse and I find that to be like a really helpful way to, because I think that once you, once you get like your score, they also really like break it down into these are things that you can improve. And this is kind of like where you're wasting time. So we'll actually say, oh, you spent like, three seconds loading JavaScript that you don't need to basically yeah. and you know exactly what to do. So I think that works for like obviously any site. And that's what I would recommend people even just like start with. There are other tools, but I personally just think Lighthouse is is great. And I think unless you're trying to get the point where you're already like really performant and you're just trying to like fix every little detail, then I think like Lighthouse really serves the purpose for most of that.
1: Oh, that's, that's really good to know.
2: Thank you. You mentioned that Bycoins has some other products that it puts out. Would you mind talking about those? Yeah. So we have launched now like three other products. So the first one is Sendcash and that is a like remittance product. So it actually basically answers or solves the problem that we as founders initially had in that we were trying to send money to the US and we couldn't really do that. So Sendcash is a app that you can use to, you just like put in your Naira and then you can send dollars to somewhere else or put in your naira and get somebody else gets like Ghanaian cds or something so that's like what that product is the uh second one is called get cards and the problem this one is solving is that so there's a lot of issues with if you're trying to use your nigerian bank debit cards to pay for things that like spotify or pay for like apple music or pay for basically. International things because sometimes the cards just don't work, or we have like limits on how much you can do. So it might be something like, oh, you can only spend $50 worth a month or something. And that's probably not going to cover a lot of things that people need to do. So, get cards allows you to basically buy gift cards using like Naira. And you would obviously on the back end, we're using crypto. And then you can use that to like, for like your Spotify or whatever and that's something that will work because it's just like a gift card. And our most recent product is called Transfers. It's basically like a payment processor and it's it's just kind of something that we faced in our exchange and having issues with people being able to like use their debit card or pay with their bank accounts and we just thought like we needed something to make that process a whole lot like simpler. So that's what that one is about
0: That's really cool I, I really like that idea of making it seamless to to interact between different currencies by using crypto that, that makes a lot of sense yeah. to me as a as an application for cryptocurrencies
2: Yeah that's actually probably the main application for people in like in countries outside of like the US and Europe because obviously a major problem that we face is just our, like our currency in itself, like either not being able to exchange it for anything or the value like dropping and things like that. So like that's kind of why we feel like cryptocurrency is so important, because it's not really just about the speculation on the price or anything. It's like it's actually helping us solve a lot of problems.
1: It's actually really good to hear some positive words about crypto. I mean, this seems <laughs> quite negative from my own experience, yeah. listening to the media and all that. So it's it's nice to hear some that it is being used for positivity and it's it's providing value
2: to people. Yeah, definitely.
0: What was it like just when you were starting Bitcoin, what was it like to just found a new company and get that released into the public?
2: I mean really scary <laughs> and <laughs> very stressful, basically. <laughs> and well the thing is when we first started it was sort of just like a side project almost like a hobby so it wasn't actually that like it wasn't actually that crazy the first time we launched it was more like in the years that followed as we like got into yc and we started like fundraising and like all of that where it became a whole lot more real and there was like a lot more i guess at stake so it then just kind of became that's why I say like scary <laughs> because then it's just like a lot more real and it's not just like some fun side product you're working on anymore. But ultimately I'll say it's been like very fulfilling but a lot of hard work.
0: Yeah I have yet to you know found a company or release a product like this. I can just imagine what it's like to start getting your first users and start having the word of mouth go out that hey there's this cool product and oh no now more people are using it. Is it ready? Is it <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
2: yeah like every time even when I use it I'm always almost like surprised that it works because I was like wait what (laughs) this thing that I built actually works (laughs) that
1: must have been a great feeling yeah
0: so I'd like to pivot now and talk on a different topic you were part of founding the feminist coalition in Nigeria as well is that correct yeah Uh, would you mind talking a little bit about how that came about and what the uh, feminist coalition is working on
2: okay yeah so we started I guess just about a year ago now actually it was two two of us uh, Dami and Odun they had previously been working on this like community of women called like wine and wine where you go and drink wine and like wine (laughs) like complain (laughs) so they had like they had been doing that for me about a year and they Found it like quite helpful. It was just kind of like a nice way for women to get together and kind of just like talk about things. And I guess after a certain point, they decided that they kind of wanted to take the next step. So they brought together a bunch of us and said, okay, do you want to like start this group, Feminist Coalition? And with just like a focus on just trying to, like I said, better the experience of being in Nigeria for women because there are just a lot of issues that women face there. So, so yeah, we had just kind of started, like I said, about a year ago. And then we were doing a lot of just like preparing and stuff. And then in October during the NSARS movement, which was like a movement against police brutality in Nigeria, we just kind of saw this as an opportunity to help because we thought that we could. And we're like good with or- organizing and like spreadsheets and tech and stuff (laughs) so uh, we just decided we'd just like try and help coordinate people so people that wanted to like donate and people that are trying to like do peaceful protests like how can we like help coordinate all of that so that's basically what we did and that's kind of like the project that we are the most known for but outside of that like our focus is like women and just trying to like champion equality for women in nigeria and so since then we've done a few other things. So like we've done like a Christmas food drive because during like December and Christmas, like Nigeria always has like pretty horrible food inflation. So we did like a drive to um, feed about like a thousand families. And uh yeah, we are just trying to continue to do those kinds of like women focused projects.
1: That's incredible, I have to say. Thank it's really you. inspiring.
3: Hey folks, I don't know if you've noticed, but I've been working a lot on figuring out how to help people become the most valuable developers on their teams or becoming the top 5% of developers in the field. If you're looking to level up, figure out how to contribute more, get the career you want, get the career that you want that will support the lifestyle you want, then you should check out the Most Valuable Dev Summit. I've invited some of my friends across the community, people that you've heard of, people that have worked on systems that you use on a daily basis, people who have invented new ways of doing things over the years in programming, and I've asked them one question, and that question is, how do you become a top 5% developer? How do you become one in 20 of the best developers out there? And so we're going to go ahead and have that conversation with them in interviews on the Most Valuable Dev Summit, and you can find that at summit.mostvaluable.dev.
1: Is that something you've experienced yourself being a woman in tech is, it, and being treated differently because of your gender have you ever experienced that and how have you potentially handled that situation and what advice can you give I guess to other women who maybe? in a similar situation?
2: Yeah, I would say in my personal experience, I think I've been really lucky and I don't know how I happen to find like the good people to work with, but I've worked with just, I mean, I've only also worked with about like two or three companies, but I would say that I've had like a generally really good experience, particularly Mm -hmm. the companies like in Nigeria that I worked with. I would say what I usually face is just more underestimation and people just kind of feeling like I don't know what I'm talking about or that kind Mm -hmm. of thing. But I think it's less, it's, I guess it's less of an issue for me now, mostly because of the particular position I'm in in that I'm not necessarily out there looking for like a job or anything and because I know that that's like usually a like a huge like stumbling block for people because they can't even like get that first job because they're constantly being like underestimated and in terms of advice I mean (laughs) it's kind of difficult because like what can you really say but I think if it's something that you're really, really passionate about and something that you really do want to pursue, just try not to let this be the thing that like discourages you because ultimately it doesn't really help like anyone. And I think that I'm also very lucky in the sense that I kind of learned this more or less on my own. Like when I entered the industry, I didn't like I didn't go to school for this. So it's not like I was really in that position where I was like the only woman in the class or anything like that. So it's almost like I kind of entered the industry without knowing that I was entering an industry that was like, had this huge gender imbalance. And in that, I guess, did kind of help me to some extent, because maybe if I had known, I would might have been put off or something. And so I guess my advice is to maybe be a bit ignorant. <laughs> so I don't know. <laughs>
1: Oh, I think that's really good advice. I, I guess I've been very similar to you in the sense that I've I've always been very lucky, and I've always had that support around me. And you know, it's not you know, it's not always bad. And and you're right, being passionate about it and not letting that discourage you is is really good advice. What about mentors throughout your career? So being an experienced um, woman in tech, have you always sought out a mentor? Is that something you've always done? And how did you go about finding those mentors?
2: Yeah, so I actually never had like a mentor or anything. That's also probably to do with like my personality in the sense that I'm very much like a person that likes to work alone. And I don't necessarily always kind of seek out that kind of thing. So I didn't really have that. But since I have actually gotten to the position I'm in now, and actually being able to be a mentor to other people, I've actually started to really see the value in it. Because sometimes you just kind of need someone to like tell you you're on the right track or someone to just kind of help with like thinking out loud or just kind of like being there to ask like that kind of support. So I think like having that is really important. And that's kind of why through the, the Google experts program, we have like an apprenticeship program where we try and put like underrepresented people from underrepresented groups, like match with GDEs to try and just kind of like, I guess, support them as they try and build up their profile to then apply to become a Google expert as well. And I think those kind of programs do really help. And just like, Forming that connection and just trying to like being that support, I think is really valuable.
0: One thing I really admire from your story and the the path that you've taken in tech is that you have founded things. I mean, you you didn't just join something and, and contribute back. You, you created things on your own with, with a group, of course, but you were you were doing these things and creating things. And I think that confidence is really important for anyone getting into tech, but especially like, like we're talking about, tech is a predominantly male industry. I think having that confidence as a woman is essential for getting in and being able to say, I'm I'm capable of doing this. I'm wanting to achieve more for for myself and for what I'm capable of.
2: Yeah, definitely.
1: I think one, one thing we haven't really touched on, but it's something I was keen to understand more about is you've had quite a bit of experience speaking at conferences. Where do you start with with something like that? Is this something like you'd start small with with in front of a group of people and then kind of scale up or is that how you you approached it
2: yeah yeah definitely not necessarily intentionally but i think for the first one it's probably better if it's not like in front of a thousand people yeah. <laughs> it's probably better you just kind of start <laughs> a bit small and the first talk i ever gave was at a meetup in nigeria And I think, yeah, I remember like um, it was someone who's now like my friend. She just asked me to join, I think maybe like two weeks or something before the conference. And I just remember freaking out a lot for that entire like two weeks. (laughs) But I think like once you do it for the first time and you realize that like it's actually the anticipation, that's a lot more like scary than the actual doing it because I'm always way more nervous when I'm like, about to do it than when I actually just start talking and just start doing it. So once I kind of like realized that and I was like, okay, that kind of like makes sense. I then said, okay, I want to try and do this more. And I was also partly doing it as a way to like help myself in the sense that I wanted to be like more employable. I wanted to try and get like um, better jobs. And I thought that this would be a good way to try and do it. And I also enjoyed the like, aspect of especially like creating the talks because I kind of liked writing and I thought okay this is kind of like an extension of writing but and it's also like a bit challenging so so I did kind of like build it up from there but I think that like once you've done it like once I think from there then on just kind of like putting yourself out there to whatever opportunities come along is like really important so don't like say no because oh the next one is like too many people or something like that. I think it's it's just always more like scary than you think. So it's, or no, it's not more scary than you think. You think it's more scary than it actually is.
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um,
2: yeah. 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 So that's like the advice I'll give. Just kind of like put yourself out there. And I don't think I've ever seen a talk and from someone and thought, oh, this person was just like too nervous and they ruined the whole thing nobody really thinks that and people are always going to be more like encouraging than you think so
1: mm. yeah yeah that, that's really good I mean what what about the, the the first talk you did was it a topic you were familiar with like extremely familiar with or was it something like people people often say well, for your first talk you should talk about yourself because it's something you know the most about mm. was, was it something like that or was it more of a technical related talk
2: it was a technical talk. I mean, for me personally, I would actually be way more comfortable talking about like a technical talk than doing more, like even till now, I'm still a bit like, I don't really like just giving the more like, oh, general types of talks. I just like to give talks on like front end development, basically, because I feel like very comfortable with that. So I guess in that sense, that advice does work, like talk about something that you are like comfortable with. and. Yeah, my first talk was I think about like UI design. So it was something that I was very comfortable with, but I still had to like do research. I still had to like put it together. So it's not like it was just kind of like I could just write the whole thing off the top of my head.
0: Hello everyone. Welcome to She's in Tech. I am Lindsay Wardell, software engineer at This.Labs. With me today is Lindsay Browning.
1: Hello everyone. (laughs) My name is Lindsay Browning and I'm a software engineer at this start. I focus mostly on front-end development and worked primarily with React over the last few years. If you'd like to reach out,
2: you can find me on Twitter at lbrowning86.
0: And our special guest today is Ire. Welcome Ire.
2: Hi, thanks for having me. So my name is Ire Adderioku and I'm a front-end developer and UI designer. I'm one of the co-founders of Bycoins, which is a cryptocurrency exchange for Nigerians and Africans. And I'm also one of the founding members of the Feminist Coalition, which is a just a group of women passionate about trying to make life better for women in Nigeria.
3: Awesome. When I went freelance, I was still only a few years into my development career. My first contract, I was paid 60 bucks an hour. Due to feedback from my friends, I raised it to 120 bucks an hour on the next contract. And due to the podcasts I was involved in and the screencasts I had made in the past, I started getting calls from people I'd never even heard of who wanted me to do development work for them because I had done that kind of work or talked about or demonstrated that kind of work in the videos and podcasts that I was making. Within a year, I was able to more than double my freelancing rates and I had more work than I could handle. If you're thinking about freelancing or have a profitable but not busy or fulfilling freelance practice, let me show you how to do it in my Dev Heroes Accelerator. Dev Heroes aren't just people who devs admire, they're also people who deliver for clients who know, like, and trust them. Let me help you double your income and fill your slowdowns. You can learn more at devheroesaccelerator.com. Thank you
0: so much for coming on the show. Really excited to get into some of those topics. Before we get too far, I'd like to know a little bit more about you and how you got involved in programming as your career.
2: Okay. So I was first introduced to making websites and coding via this online game I used to play when I was a teenager called Neopets. I think a few people like played that. So they kind of like know. (laughs) And it just basically taught you some very basic like HTML. I don't think CSS was really a thing at the time, or maybe there was, but yeah, and it was just something that I was very interested in. And I just kind of continued doing on the side for like years. I didn't really know about like computer science or anything as like a degree to do. So I actually ended up studying psychology and then law. But when I then like revisited the or relearned about like coding and all of that, I decided, okay, I'll try and give it a chance. And so I did a bunch of like self-study and then I decided to like actually put myself out there. So I did like freelance for a bit and then I started working within like tech companies in Nigeria and yeah, I got to where I am.
0: That's awesome. I love how that started with just something as simple as something like Neopets, and it became yeah. <laughs> a whole career, really. What technologies do you tend to work with in the front end? What's what's your preferred technology?
2: I mean, I'm a person that like I just like to work with like HTML, CSS, JavaScript. I'm pretty framework agnostic, and even at Bycoins, we work with several different frameworks and like just different architectures for things, but we just always focus on, especially when I'm like hiring and stuff, having people focus on understanding like the core technologies. So yeah, I use like React, Vue, Angular, but I wouldn't say that I am like particularly partial to any of them. So I would just say like front-end development, like HTML, CSS, and JavaScript is what I focus on.
0: That makes a lot of sense. It's interesting to hear that bycoins is using multiple multiple different frameworks. Is it just like different parts of the site are using different tools depending on which developer team is working on it?
2: So not exactly. When I say, I guess when I say bycoins coins, I mean the company as a whole, because like, for example, we have other products that are not just like our particular app. And so our mobile application is like React Native for like the mobile side, but it's actually mostly a web view to a web app. And that web app is basically just like actually static HTML and CSS, besides like select places where we need a bit more interactivity. And so we use like React components there as well. But in other products, we use like Vue and in the previous version of Bicons, we were using Angular. So that's kind of what I mean. Like, not necessarily that we mix so much with like a particular code base, but like if we decide, oh, we're going to launch a new product tomorrow, we don't necessarily have to do it in Vue or React. We can just kind of pick what works for that particular project.
0: I like that. I like that it's not locked down to we're always going to use React because this is the way we do things.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I think that
1: the cryptocurrency space is becoming, it seems to be becoming very popular at the moment, the more mainstream. How do you get into something like cryptocurrency and how do you you go about sort of learning the technologies behind it, like the blockchain and things like that?
2: Yeah, so I mean, for me personally, when we got into this, so we started this in like 2017, it was more sort of like a fun side project actually. And we did kind of see that this, had a particular use case, particularly for us, because we were actually like myself and my, we, there's like three of us. And um, so myself and my co-founder that were based in Nigeria, were trying to send money to our co-founder that was in the U.S. And it was just like a really difficult process because trying to send from even like, Get, having a dollar bank account in Nigeria is something that's not that easy to access but even having that it's still not that easy to then just try and like send money to like a. US bank account or anything like that. So we actually said oh let's actually just try and use Bitcoin like and we found that it was actually a lot like quicker even though the process of getting Bitcoin in Nigeria was quite like stressful, it was still ultimately like, easier and like faster and cheaper than us trying to use actual dollars to then like do that transaction and so we just saw that that this is kind of like an opportunity for something that people really need and we could actually like build a product to make the parts that we found the most like stressful actually a lot easier so that's kind of why we then said okay we'll build our own exchange and just because of like the state of like technology and startups and stuff in Nigeria at that time it was only like relatively recently like the past like year or so that you could just have like a payment processor so something similar to stripe we have something called paystack in nigeria and that product was only just launched like a year or two ago so it was something that we could now leverage that wasn't really available before to actually make this whole like products possible
1: yeah, I think I think it's great that you you're solving the problem there for yourselves, but also opening up the opportunities for so many other people at the same time. That's really great.
0: So, on the note of cryptocurrency in general, what is it? I haven't worked with blockchain or cryptocurrencies yet myself as a developer. What's it like getting started with that and starting to to try and integrate with these existing coins?
2: Yeah, so it's I think it's still kind of difficult because it's kind of like how do you even know where to start and for me specifically like being a front-end developer right now there's not that much of a difference like if you're just kind of building the type of app that we're building right like i don't necessarily need to have like blockchain specific knowledge in order in order to build like the front end of the application but obviously as we build more products that are like web 3 things and that's like an aspect that you now have to learn how do you like Build a website that can actually like interact with your MetaMask or whichever wallet. And also, if you are interested in like learning actual like blockchain technology, like how do you get started with that? And for me, the answer was I did like a Udacity nano degree, like the blockchain developer one, and I found that actually really really helpful because, like I said, when I started this, I was kind of like doing the front end, so I wasn't that like integrated in the blockchain aspect. So like doing that Degree was really helpful for me, even though like my day to day isn't really blockchain stuff. I have a much deeper understanding of how like everything works and how everything kind of comes together. And because that particular nano degree, and I'm not like sponsored by Udacity or anything, by the way, (laughs) but uh, because that particular nano degree actually also touched on Web3, it was actually really helpful for me because you got to do one side, which is like building like smart contracts and things like that. And then actually, then do the other side, like the front end, which is like building the website that's actually going to interact with those smart contracts. So if anyone is like interested in like learning about this stuff, I think that was like a really great like starter. I did that a few years ago. And I think since then, there's actually been a lot more companies like Coinbase and I think Binance that are actually putting out a lot of educational content as well. So you don't necessarily have to kind of spend money on like this nano degree if you can't really afford to do that i think that all these like companies are actually like putting together these this kind of stuff and even us we do have like a very like short introduction into just like what is cryptocurrency but i know Binance goes in a lot more into like a lot more detail in like actually breaking down i think they have like a huge like library of content basically
1: yeah i think i i've seen that myself they cover security, uh, crypto in general, it's really thorough. Yeah. I'd imagine an exchange like that needs to be quite performant for what is presumably a large number of users accessing the app. And I I guess real-time data it needs to process. Do you sort of have any dealings with that on the front end? Is that something that you kind of deal with performance-wise?
2: Yeah, yeah, it is. And that's actually something, funnily enough, I'm actually working on now to like do a lot more like performance improvements because mm-hmm. obviously we build it and then we release it into the world and then we have to like continue. Like <laughs> it doesn't just end there. Yeah. So for me personally, I really like using Lighthouse and I find that to be like a really helpful way to, because I think that once you, once you get like your score, they also really like break it down into these are things that you can improve. And this is kind of like where you're wasting time. So we'll actually say, oh, you spent like, three seconds loading JavaScript that you don't need to, basically, yeah. and you know exactly what to do. So I think that works for, like, obviously any sites. And that's what I would recommend people even just, like, start with. There are other tools, but I personally just think Lighthouse is is great. And I think unless you're trying to get the point where you're already, like, really performant and you're just trying to, like, fix every little detail, then I think, like, Lighthouse really serves the purpose for most of that.
1: Oh, that's that's really good to know. Thank you.
2: You mentioned that
0: Bycoins has some other products that it puts out. Would you mind talking about those?
2: Yeah. So we have launched now like three other products. So the first one is Sendcash and that is a like remittance product. So it actually basically answers or solves the problem that we as founders initially had in that we were trying to send money to the US and we couldn't really do that. So Sendcash is a app that you can use to, you just like put in your Naira and then you can send dollars to somewhere else or put in your Naira and get somebody else gets like Ghanaian CDs or something. So that's like what that product is. The uh, second one is called Get Cards. And the problem this one is solving is that, so there's a lot of issues with if you're trying to use your Nigerian bank debit cards to pay for things that like Spotify or pay for like Apple Music or pay for basically international things because sometimes the cards just don't work or we have like limits on how much you can do so it might be something like oh you can only spend fifty dollars worth a month or something and that's probably not going to cover a lot of things that people need to do so get cards allows you to basically buy gift cards using like naira and you would obviously on the back end we're using crypto and then you can use that to like pay for like your Spotify or whatever. And that's something that will work because it's just like a gift card. And our most recent product is called Transfers. It's basically like a payment processor and it's it's just kind of something that we faced in our exchange and having issues with people being able to like use their debit card or pay with their bank accounts. And we just thought like we needed something to make that process a whole lot like simpler. So that's what that one is about.
0: That's really cool. I, I really like that idea of making it seamless to to interact between different currencies by using crypto that, that makes a lot of sense yeah. to me as a as an application for cryptocurrencies.
2: Yeah, that's actually probably the main application for people in like in countries outside of like the US and Europe because obviously a major problem that we face is just our, like our currency in itself, like either not being able to exchange it for anything or the value like dropping and things like that. So like that's kind of why we feel like cryptocurrency is so important because it's not really just about the speculation on the price or anything. It's like it's actually helping us solve a lot of problems.
1: It's actually really good to hear some positive Words about crypto, I mean, this seems <laughs> quite negative from my own experience, listening to the media and all that. So it's, it's nice to hear some that it is being used for positivity and it's, it's providing value to people. Yeah, definitely.
0: What was it like just when you were starting Bycoin, what was it like to just found a new company and get that released into the public?
2: I mean, really scary <laughs> and <laughs> very stressful, <laughs> basically. <laughs> and well the thing is when we first started it was sort of just like a side project almost like a hobby so it wasn't actually that like it wasn't actually that crazy the first time we launched it was more like in the years that followed as we like got into yc and we started like fundraising and like all of that where it became a whole lot more real and there was like a lot more i guess at stake so it then just kind of became that's why I say like scary, <laughs> because then it's just like a lot more real. And it's not just like some fun side product you're working on anymore. But ultimately, I'll say it's been like very fulfilling, but a lot of hard work.
0: Yeah, I have yet to, you know, found a company or release a product like this. I can just imagine what it's like to start getting your first users and start having the word of mouth go out. that Hey, there's this cool product. and Oh, no. Now more people are using it. Is it ready?
3: Is it? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
2: Yeah, like every time, even when I use it, I'm always almost like surprised that it works because I was like, wait, what? (laughs) This thing that I built actually works.
1: (laughs) That must have been a great feeling. Yeah.
0: So I'd like to pivot now and talk on a different topic. You were part of founding the Feminist Coalition in Nigeria as well. Is that correct? Yeah. Uh, Would you mind talking a little bit about? how that came about and what the uh, feminist coalition is working on.
2: Okay. Yeah. So we started, I guess just about a year ago now, actually, it was two, two of us, uh, Dami and Odun. They had previously been working on this like community of women called like wine and wine, where you go and drink wine and like wine, <laughs> like complain. <laughs> so they had like, they had been doing that for me about a year and they had, found it like quite helpful. It was just kind of like a nice way for women to get together and kind of just like talk about things. And I guess after a certain point, they decided that they kind of wanted to take the next step. So they brought together a bunch of us and said, okay, do you want to like start this group, Feminist Coalition? And with just like a focus on just trying to, like I said, better The experience of being in Nigeria for women because there are just a lot of issues that women face there. So so yeah, we had just kind of started, like I said, about a year ago, and then we were doing a lot of just like preparing and stuff. And then in October during the NSARS movement, which was like a movement against police brutality in Nigeria, we just kind of saw this as an opportunity to help because we thought that we could. And- we're like good with organizing and like spreadsheets and tech and stuff so uh, we just decided we'd just like try and help coordinate people so people that wanted to like donate and people that are trying to like do peaceful protests like how can we like help coordinate all of that so that's basically what we did and that's kind of like the project that we are the most known for. But outside of that, like our focus is like women and just trying to like champion equality for women in Nigeria. And so since then we've done a few other things. So like we've done like a Christmas food drive because During like December and Christmas, like Nigeria always has like pretty horrible food inflation. So we did like a drive to um, feed about like a thousand families. And uh, yeah, we are just trying to continue to do those kinds of like women focused projects.
1: That's incredible. I have to say it's really inspiring.
2: Hey, folks, I don't know if you've noticed,
3: but I've been working a lot on figuring out how to help people become the most valuable developers on their teams or becoming the top 5% of developers in the field. If you're looking to level up, figure out how to contribute more, get the career you want, get the career that you want that will support the lifestyle you want, then you should check out the Most Valuable Dev Summit. I've invited some of my friends across the community, people that you've heard of, people that have worked on systems that you use on a daily basis, people who have invented new ways of doing things over the years in programming, and I've asked them one question, and that question is, how do you become a top 5% developer how do you become one in 20 of the best developers out there? And so we're going to go ahead and have that conversation with them in interviews on the Most Valuable Dev Summit. And you can find that at summit.mostvaluable.dev.
1: Is that something you've experienced yourself being a woman in tech is it, and being treated differently because of your gender? Have you ever experienced that? And how have you potentially handled that situation? And what advice can you give, I guess, to other women who may be in a similar situation?
2: Yeah, I would say, in my personal experience, I think I've been really lucky. And I don't know how I happen to find like the (laughs) good people to work with, but I've worked with just, I mean, I've only also worked with about like two or three companies, but I would say that I've had like a generally really good experience, particularly Mm -hmm. the companies like in Nigeria that I worked with. I would say what I usually face is, just more underestimation and people just kind of feeling like I don't know what I'm talking about or that kind Mm -hmm. of thing. But I think it's less, it's, I guess it's less of an issue for me now, mostly because of the particular position I'm in in that I'm not necessarily out there looking for like a job or anything and because I know that that's like usually a like a huge like stumbling block for people because they can't even like get that first job because they're constantly being like underestimated and in terms of advice I mean (laughs) it's kind of difficult because like what can you really say but I think if it's something that you're really, really passionate about and something that you really do want to pursue, just try not to let this be the thing that like discourages you because ultimately it doesn't really help like anyone. And I think that I'm also very lucky in the sense that I kind of learned this more or less on my own. Like when I entered the industry, I didn't, like I didn't go to school for this. So it's not like I was really in that position where I was like the only woman in the class or anything like that. So it's almost like I kind of entered the industry without knowing that I was entering an industry that was like, had this huge gender imbalance. And in that, I guess, did kind of help me to some extent, because maybe if I had known, I would might have been put off or something. And so I guess my advice is to maybe be a bit ignorant. (laughs) So I don't know.
1: (laughs) No, I think that's really good advice. I I guess I've been very similar to you in the sense that I've, I've always been very lucky and I've always had that support around me and, you know, it's not, you know, it's not always bad and... And you're right, but being passionate about it and not letting that discourage you is, is really good advice. What about mentors throughout your career? So being an experienced um, woman in tech, have you always sought out a mentor? Is that something you've always done? And how did you go about finding those mentors?
2: Yeah, so I actually never had like a mentor or anything. That's also probably to do with like my personality in the sense that I'm very much like a person that likes to work alone and... I don't necessarily always kind of seek out that kind of thing. So I didn't really have that. But since I have actually gotten to the position I'm in now and actually being able to be a mentor to other people, I've actually started to really see the value in it. Cause sometimes you just kind of need someone to like tell you you're on the right track or someone to just kind of help with like thinking out loud or just kind of like being there to ask like that kind of support. So I think like, Having that is really important. And that's kind of why through the, the Google Experts program, we have like a, an apprenticeship program where we try and put like underrepresented people from underrepresented groups, like match with GDEs to try and just kind of like, I guess, support them as they try and build up their profile to then apply to become a Google expert as well. And I think those kind of programs do really help. And just like forming that connection and just trying to like being that support, I think is really valuable.
0: One thing I really admire from your story and the the path that you've taken in tech is that you have founded things. I mean, you you didn't just join something and, and contribute back. You you created things on your own, with with a group, of course, but you were you were doing these things and creating things. And I think that confidence is really important for anyone getting into tech, but especially like like we're talking about tech is a predominantly male industry. I think having that confidence as a woman is essential for getting in and being able to say, I'm I'm capable of doing this. I'm wanting to achieve more for for myself and for what I'm capable of.
2: Yeah, definitely. I think one,
1: one thing we haven't really touched on, but it's something I was keen to understand more about is you've had quite a bit of experience speaking at conferences. Where do you start with with something like that? Is this something like you'd start small with with in front of a group of people and then kind of scale up or is that how you you approached it?
2: yeah yeah definitely not necessarily intentionally but I think for the first one it's probably better if it's not like in front of a thousand people (laughs) it's probably better you just kind of start a bit small and the first talk I ever gave was at a meetup in Nigeria and I think yeah I remember like um, it was someone who's now like my friend she just asked me to join I think maybe like two weeks or something before the conference and I just remember freaking out a lot for that entire like two weeks <laughs> but I think like once you do it for the first time and you realize that like it's actually the anticipation that's a lot more like scary than the actual doing it because I'm always way more nervous when I'm like about to do it than when I actually just start talking and just start doing it so once I kind of like realized that and I was like okay that kind of like makes sense I then said okay I want to try and do this more and I was also partly doing it as a way to like help myself in the sense that I wanted to be like more employable I wanted to try and get like um, better jobs and I thought that this would be a good way to try and do it and I also enjoyed the like aspect of especially like creating the talks because I kind of liked writing and I thought okay this is kind of like an extension of writing but and it's also like a bit challenging so so I did kind of like build it up from there but I think that like once you've done it like once I think from there then on just kind of like putting yourself out there to whatever opportunities come along is like really important so don't like say no because oh the next one is like too many people, or something like that. I think it's it's just always more like scary than you think. So it's or no, it's not more scary than you think. You think it's more scary than it actually is.
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So that's like the advice I'll give. Just kind of like put yourself out there. And I don't think I've ever seen a talk and from someone and thought, oh, this person was just like too nervous and they ruined the whole thing. Nobody really thinks that. And people are always going to be more like encouraging than you think. So, mm.
1: yeah, yeah that, that's really good. I mean, what, what about the, the, the first talk you did? Was it a topic you were familiar with, like extremely familiar with? Or was it something like people, people often say well, for your first talk, you should talk about yourself because it's something you know the most about. Mm. Was it something like that or was it more of a technical
2: related talk? It was a technical talk. I mean, for me personally, I would actually be way more comfortable talking about like a technical talk than doing more. Like even till now, I'm still a bit like, I don't really like just giving the more like, oh, general types of talks. I just like to give talks on like, front-end development basically, because I feel like very comfortable with that. So I guess in that sense, that advice does work, like talk about something that you are like comfortable with. And yeah, my first talk was I think about like UI design. So it was something that I was very comfortable with, but I still had to like do research. I still had to like put it together. So it's not like it was just kind of like, I could just write the whole thing off the top of my head. But at least it was something that I felt comfortable enough to know that, okay, I know like just the outline of what everything is going to be. And it's just to kind of like fill in the details to figure out like w- how exactly I want to present it.
1: I suppose being passionate about something certainly helps as well, right? And you've yeah, did. Exactly. That's, that's really good advice. I think you're inspiring me to want to do it myself. <laughs>
2: that's oh, <good>. great. <laughs>
0: do you have any tips for, for just getting more comfortable with public speaking? ignoring just the, the technical aspect, but just getting up in front of a large group of people is something that can be intimidating. Are there any any tips that you have for just feeling a little more comfortable in that moment?
2: Yeah. Well, I actually think you it's more practice, right? Because especially with something like being nervous about speaking in front of people, there's kind of only so much you can do to like prepare yourself. You kind of just have to like do it and that's also why I feel like I'm a bit grateful that like my first thing I just kind of had to do it within like two weeks it's not like I could spend months just like thinking about it and like planning everything I just kind of had to like rip the band-aid and then once I did that I realized okay I'm not gonna like die from like standing in front of people and then I can like get better from there so I think the sooner you do it just the better because then you realize that like it's. The fear is mostly like in your head, basically.
0: On a similar note, Lindsay, you, you mentioned the that Iri's done a lot of writing as well. Or area you mentioned it. You have a lot of blog posts on a great URL, bits of code at bitsofcode.de, which is an excellent URL. Thank Congratulations you. <laughs> on getting that one. First off, how do you find a topic to write about? But also how do you feel comfortable? or what did you do to feel comfortable with with putting out your writing online for for people to read and to to receive feedback on at this point i do some blogging with this dot but it's always that is my writing good enough am, am i actually covering the topic am i am i an expert enough to to actually discuss this in a reasonable way what did you do to get through those kinds of feelings
2: yeah so i guess like what helped was obviously at the beginning, no one knew anything about me or my blog. So (laughs) I was literally just writing for myself. And like, there was kind of, it was kind of like, I guess, no stakes because I wasn't like really losing anything. And I kind of just, you know, set myself this challenge and said, okay, like I want to write like weekly just to, you know, for us to also learn myself, right? So, in the beginning, I was mostly covering things that I thought just were just like interesting. And I guess still today, that's kind of still what I do. Like, I find something that I think is interesting. And I feel like, I mean, obviously, because there's like articles on everything, you will probably find an article that's similar to what it is they're going to write about. But the thing that always made me feel like, okay, I feel like I can write this article still is if that I feel like, okay, there's no article that really fully answers or fully explains everything the way that I feel like I need to fully understand it. So if I felt like if I could still get some benefits from reading an article that I wrote, even though other articles exist, as long as I felt like I was kind of bringing something, even if it's just like my own personal take on it or a way I explain something, then I would still kind of like go for that. But yeah, I just kind of felt like because I also had like this, okay, I'm going to write every single week. At a certain point, you can't be too picky. You just have to like decide and just be like, okay, well, I need to write something for this week. So I'm just going to pick the first thing that like I kind of think of. And then um, like, even sometimes those are the articles that become like the most popular, something that I just like write because I'm just like, okay, I just need to get something out. Let me just write about this one thing. And then people seem to like really, get that and that's why I also think like having like a a schedule really helps because it kind of like forces you to really like get into the habit of doing it and also just kind of like I guess it's also like a muscle right so just like practicing and practicing and yeah
0: so thank you I like that idea of having a schedule my as best as possible I try to do one a week and just limit myself to that period and try to release it after that that makes a lot of sense yeah well great at this point, we will move on to PICs.
3: Hey, are you looking to join a team that gets to work on really cool projects, great technology stacks like React, Gatsby, Contentful, AWS, and tons more? Similar things for Vue and Angular. If you're looking to grow in your career, work with an inclusive team that cares about their culture, and be part of something that you can be passionate about, then you should apply to work at this.labs. They focus on giving back to the community and having their developers do things like write blog posts and be on podcasts to help them enrich their careers as well. They're currently looking for engineering managers, senior architects, and senior software developers in React, Vue, and Angular. So if you're interested, send an email to jobs at this.co.
0: Picks are the part of the show where we talk about things that we like with the community. They do not need to be programming related. And today I will start with Lindsay. Do you have a pick for us today, Lindsay?
1: I do. My pick is technology related, but it's something I really like. It's called Axe Dev Tools, and it's an accessibility testing engine for websites and HTML based UIs. So it can be used to highlight accessibility problems during development. But it's, it's also really good to integrate with your existing automation test suites and things like that. So for me, it's a tool for helping to understand more about accessibility. It's something that's something that we need to be better at. And I find it's a great tool to not just highlight the issues, but teach you the issues as, as you're developing. So it's available as a browser extension. It's what I use. It's called Axe Dev Tools. But it can also be integrated into libraries like React and I believe Vue, etc., and it's supported by all major browsers as well. So it's easy; it's really easy to set up, and it's configurable to so to WCAG's AA and AAA standards. Um so, yeah, I'll drop a link into the chat, which will be sent out with the podcast when it's ready.
0: Excellent, check thank you. Have, yeah, I'm going to have to check that one out myself. I'm working on some of that right now.
1: Cool.
0: Um, I will go next. So my pick today is. A web application called paperize.io. Paperize describes itself as a paper prototyping tool for building card and board games. So, one of the many side projects that I've worked on that is not programming related is building a card game. I've been working on it for the last decade or so and just fiddling with it here and there. And with Paperize, I was able to take that concept, build out the actual playing cards, and then get them printed. So, I have a physical set of my game to prototype with and it's just been a lot of fun to work with uh, the tool is great it uses view for its front end and it is fully open source so i'll make sure to put links to both the application itself which is free and just requires a google account as well as the github repo if you want to take a look at that it's a great community they have as well on discord if you're into game design and you're welcome to put in prototypes and talk about ideas for implementation both of the cards itself and rules so it's a great community
1: Sounds really interesting. I'll definitely be checking that one out.
0: And Ira, do you have a pick for us today?
2: Okay, I'm thinking about this. <laughs> and I think my pick is a non-technology related pick. And it's an app I've been using recently. And i been finding it really like helpful for just like general mental health, especially within the past year, because for obvious reasons, (laughs) but Headspace, I'm sure if you're into meditation, you might have heard of this before, but I found it to be like a really great app. And it's kind of helped me integrate like daily meditation. So like every morning I just kind of do a quick 10 minutes and yeah, it's just been really helpful. So if you haven't been doing meditation and you're interested, I think it's like a nice, in because they also have like courses you can do to just like get into it and just like to learn how to meditate. So yeah, I, I find it really good.
0: I've heard good things about Headspace, haven't tried it out yet.
2: Okay. Yeah, yeah you should. That's awesome.
0: Definitely put that on my list. So you're right where can people find you if they want to continue this conversation?
2: So you can find me on Twitter. So I'll put my Twitter username in the chat. It's basically my name, Irea Adereoko. And from there, you can link to like my websites and you can find everything else I do. So like buy coins and like my blog and just basically everything. So I think like that's a good starting point for everything that I do.
0: Excellent. Thank you. Well, I hope you all enjoyed this episode as well. I definitely had a great time with this conversation. You can find me on Twitter at Lindsay K. Wardell. And Lindsay, where can people find
1: you? So you can find me on Twitter also at in 86 Thank you so much for joining us today. It's been Excellent. so much fun.
0: Great. We'll see you again next time. Thank you for listening.
3: Bandwidth for this segment is provided by CashFly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with CashFly. Visit dot to learn more.